There's a lot of things I'm really good at. Humble brag, maybe. Um, but there's also a lot of things that far outweigh uh, the other that I'm not good at. But there's like this one thing that is like, I am the worst at. It's like my biggest weakness. Some of you might be in this club with me. For the life of me, I can never find what I'm looking for when I try to find it in my house. I just can't do it, right? Yeah, you feel me in the back? Yeah, like anytime, most every like wife in the room says this is true of their husband probably. It's an epidemic, I think. But anyway, anytime I try to find something in my house, it is never where I think it should be. It just never is. And without fail, I'll spend like 30 minutes like trying to find this thing. And I'm like running around the house like angry and fussing about trying to find this thing. And I'll, and I'll turn to my wife, Jessie, who's like the most incredible person you'll ever meet, by the way. Um, God bless me a whole lot. But anyway, I'll turn to her and say like, hey, I can't find this thing. And she'll like turn around and go. Been right here the whole time in front of your face, you big dummy. She wouldn't say that, but she thinks it, right? Um, and in the back, she's, she's going, I don't think it, but she, she's thinking it. She's thinking it. I know, I know. See, the thing that she knows that I don't, well, I know it, but I just forget. Um, that still sounds weird. I can't say that about my kids. Um, I don't forget that I have kids. What I forget is that my kids are terrible and... Uh, I don't forget that often either. But anyway, um, they move everything in my house. Like, nothing is safe. Nothing is safe. Uh, it's kind of like with dinosaurs, right? Like, nothing nothing is safe. And sometimes it feels like that scene in Jurassic Park where there's, like, the dinosaurs all around, and Chris Pratt's like, oh, I'm about to die, right? That's, that's like having kids sometimes. Uh, anyway, and so I'll, I'll go look for something where I think it should be. But I, in my, like, male pea brain, right, I, uh, I can't remember, even though I, you know, I'm 34 years old. I know it's old. But my whole 34 years of life, I still haven't figured out, hey, don't only look where you think it's supposed to be, right? Like, that means if it's not there initially when you look, it's probably somewhere else. And often, like, I'm, run, I'm rummaging through, like, a cabinet where this thing's supposed to be, like, it's a flashlight. We have a cabinet for flashlights. That's what you do. I don't know. And so, like, I can't find this thing, and I'm, like, throwing stuff out of this cabinet, like, digging all the way to the back, and I've done it, like, four times definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over again, hoping for a different result. I do this, and then Jesse's like, hey, it's right there. And I look over, and I'm like, fine. I don't even need it anymore. I don't want it anymore, right? So she is smart enough to realize, like, hey, it's, if you've looked there, it's not there. You should look other places. You think it's supposed to be there. It's not, obviously. So you need to broaden your perspective so you can find what, what you're looking for. I think sometimes... Uh, we see the word of God like that. We, we, we spin and, and like get frustrated over uh, stuff that we don't understand uh, because either we're like, it can't be that simple, right? It just can't be that simple. Or we have our own like preconceived notions, our pre uh, like understanding of what, who we think God is or how he should work and that kind of thing. And really the truth of who God is and how we're supposed to live for him is like right in front of us the whole time is right in front of us the whole time. But because we're focused on something we're not really supposed to focus on, we don't, we just miss it. Or like me, sometimes when I go to look for something uh, in my house, if I, if it's not like super important, I just will ignore if I'm like, "Ah, I probably should use a flashlight for that thing. Um, but I don't really want to go through the frustration of trying to look for a flashlight. So I'll just try not to do it. I'll just try to do it without a flashlight, right? So we do that with Scripture sometimes, too. Like, I don't really want to, like, really try to 
like understand that because previously it's been frustrating. So I'm just going to bail. And then you just don't ever read the Bible. You don't ever study it or any of that kind of stuff. Um, we all have different reactions and different ways we approach Scripture. Jesus talks about that a little bit uh, tonight in Matthew 13 is where we're going to be. Matthew 13. He uses this style. You go and turn there. He uses this style of teaching called uh, a parable, which is it's just a it's a simple story with like a deeper meaning. It's got allegory, right? If you are far enough in school that you've under, you have learned what that means, so it means there's a deeper meaning, right? Sometimes uh, when we come to those stories, we we maybe try to go too deep with it. Um, or we don't see the truth. It's just kind of simply there. But Jesus, in this parable tonight, it's called the parable of the sower. We're in uh, Matthew 13. Um, he walks through, he, he actually shows us responses, common responses uh, that the human heart has to the word of God uh, and sort of lays out a roadmap for us uh, of things to avoid or ways that we can find ourselves in. And when we find ourselves in that spot, maybe what we're supposed to move toward. And so that's what I want to look at tonight. So let me read through this parable. We're starting uh, in verse 3, Matthew 13, verse 3. <clears throat> and he told them many things in parables. So Jesus is, by the way, let me give you some context here. So Jesus, there's like, like always, a bajillion humans standing around Jesus. And so that he can, he, he wants to teach them something and so that he can sort of address all of them and they can see him and he can do it easily. He's, he's near a sea. And so he actually kind of gets in, he, he doesn't kind of, he does, he gets in this boat and pushes offshore just a little bit, not like crazy far off, but he gets off the shore enough that he can sit in this boat. Everybody can see him and kind of hear him. And he's teaching this crowd. Okay. Does that kind of set it up for you? So Jesus is sitting in this boat, uh, just offshore, there's just crowds of humans and he's teaching them. <clears throat> and this is what he says. A sower went out to sow. You may not know what that means. You're smart people, so you may. This is a farmer, someone who's, they're, they're, they have a bag of seeds, and they're taking the seeds, and they're, they're spreading them out. It's this way of planting where you just sort of do a broad spread of the seeds, and they'll eventually go down into the soil and sprout up. Okay, so a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they, were, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil uh, and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. So Jesus' audience, when Jesus said this, to us, we may not immediately be able to imagine this or even connect with its meaning, right? Because in our, our society, though there used to be tons of farmlands around here, now it's just like a bajillion houses, right? Uh, we don't really see farming in the same way they did. But in this culture, Jesus' audience, immediately, when he said a sower was out sowing, they immediately, because this is something they saw all the time, they would be able to, to picture this. And so Jesus has just taken their context— and he's saying, okay, let me tell you a story in your context that you're, with some imagery that you're going to understand here. And so this has some deeper meaning. Um, the sower he's talking about here is him. He's the sower in the story. So this, this key character, the sower who's spreading seed, is Jesus. Uh, and then as he goes uh, on, he talks about the seed as it falls on these different things. The people, his audience would have understood the implications of all of this. Uh, but even, even so... Uh, 
a little ways down the chap, uh, the verses, like the next one, actually, verse 10, the disciples are like, hey, why are, you, why are you teaching like this? And Jesus says, I'm teaching like this because those who really want to know, they'll realize that I'm teaching something with more depth, and they'll seek, and they'll find. And those who are here just to be a part of the crowd or just to, uh, because they think this is awesome, they're going with the flow and that kind of thing, they, they, they won't get it. It's sort of a, a weeding out process of those who are really trying to find it. And not that he's trying to trick anybody, um, but Jesus is always about the intent of your heart and you genuinely seeking him. Not that you get distracted by all the, like he was doing these like crazy cool miracles and maybe people just wanted to be around to witness that stuff. Um, and Jesus was wanting to get to the heart of it. He didn't want people to be distracted. He wanted them to see the real truth and see the real heart. But he goes on, thankfully, and he actually further explains and lays out what he means here. So jump down to or over to verse 18. Verse 18. Jesus is the sower, and in this parable, the seeds, what they represent is, ultimately, they represent the gospel, which is that Jesus came and he died, he conquered death, um, and took on our sins on the cross so that whenever we, if, if we choose to follow him, all of our sins are forgiven and we're made right with God, right? Like, that's the, that's the gospel in essence. That's, that's the main seed we're talking about here, but, but in a broader sense... And here, he's just talking about the Word of God, Scripture, the Word of God. So these seeds being, being cast out are the Word of God. And the soil here, so that as we, as we walk through what Jesus explains, we'll understand, the soil is representing the hearts of man, the hearts of you and I. And so what he walks through are these four common states of the human heart and how they, uh, how they receive God's truth and respond or not. In those. So with that in mind, so Jesus being the one casting the seeds, the seeds are God's truths, and the soil being our hearts. Let's, let's read through Jesus' explanation um, and see what's going on here. So verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This, uh, this is what was sown along the path. So Jesus is saying... <clears throat> There are, there are those whose hearts are hardened, those who aren't really open to, to finding God's truth. And there's a couple, there's lots of different reasons for that. Maybe some, uh, like we, you see in the story of Jesus, these, uh, these Pharisees uh, were coming over and over and over again to Jesus, uh, and they were confused and frustrated by Jesus and not really hearing the truth that he was preaching because they had their own box of who God was and who they thought he was and how he was supposed to do things, who the Messiah was supposed to be. They had their own uh, version of who God was supposed to be, and so they didn't, they didn't hear or want to hear what Jesus had to say because it was different than what they thought. And so their hearts were hardened to the real truths of God. There are others that just don't want to believe there's a God. Maybe, maybe that's you. Maybe for a long time you've just not wanted to believe there's God or you believe there's God, but you've not really wanted to do anything about it. And so every time you hear a message, you hear uh, the word preached, you just let it fall and you don't really do anything with it. You, your heart's hardened to really kind of receive that truth. And then Satan, who is a very real enemy, is always looking to take these truths away from us. And it's so easy to do whenever it falls on a path, when it falls on a hardened heart, when it doesn't, and it's just out in the open for him to take and remove, and then you, can never, you can't do anything with it until, once again, it's, the truth has, been, has uh, been sown again. 
So the, the enemy comes and takes this away from those uh, who have hardened hearts. Um, for those who are in the room, maybe, maybe you're there, maybe you're starting to maybe realize that your heart's hardened from the truth. So you've, you've, maybe you've gone to church for a long time, but you have this box of who you think God is, or when you come, you just don't listen. You're just here because your friends are here, and you're not really paying attention. But maybe, you're, maybe you're starting to realize that there's something to all of this. I want you to, I want you to really consider the gospel. Allow your heart to be softened enough to have some space for the seed of the gospel to come in, to realize that the God of the universe loves you, that Jesus died for you. For your life, as crazy as it is, as messed up as it is, no matter what, Jesus, his sacrifice was for you to be brought back into relationship with God so that you could live eternally with him and live a life of real purpose, a life that is lived for him. And that's, that's, what, that's what Jesus is talking about here. And so he goes on. That was soil number one, soil number two. As for what was sown on rocky ground, that is the one uh, who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulations or uh, persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Immediately falls away. When I was in college, um, see, some of you were born at this point when Hurricane Katrina came through, right? You guys heard of Hurricane Katrina, right? It was a big hurricane. Some of you weren't even born then. It's fine. It's weird. Um, that's how old I am. I was in college. This hurricane comes through. Uh, and so I was, I was in college in like central Mississippi. This hurricane was, was so big that like at the time it was like demolishing the coast three hours north. Uh, in the in middle of Mississippi, we were we had like these crazy storms and these crazy winds and that kind of thing. And I was I had to go to the cafeteria and eat because got to eat right. And uh, <laughs> so I was I was like walking in the storm and I caught something out uh, in the corner of my eye and I look over and the ground was moving. And I thought that's weird, right? But again, pea brain, right? And so I walk over to where the ground's moving uh, and I realize when the wind blows, the tree, this big tree, goes and the ground goes. And I was like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. And, uh, and so then I call all my friends who also have bee brains, uh, and we're standing there just watching this tree. And one of my friends who, there's always that one guy, right? There's always the one guy. He's like trying to like karate run up this thing. Um, I don't know. There's always that guy that's trying to like karate run up stuff. I'm not sure why. Uh, and so he's trying to like karate run up this thing. Holly, do you try karate run up things? No, no, not because you're a girl. You have, a, you're smart, right? Um, and so we're standing here watching this thing. And then eventually it like starts to give way. And the guy, my friend, I'm like, Hey, you're going to die. You should stop. And he's like, it's cool, bud. Right. Uh, and so he like does this one final, like run up it and the wind blows kind of at the same time. It's weird. Uh, and he kind of thinks that he was, he had something to do with it. He didn't, uh, it was the wind. All of a sudden this big tree goes, and this, the whole ground and everything just pulls up with it. And so then like, there's this tree and then ground, right. And all the roots and everything. It was pretty incredible to see. Leave me alone. I normally put this in. It distracted me. I'm sorry. Again, pea brain. Anyway, that won't happen again. Uh, so there's this tree laid on the ground, and uh, all of these these roots. What we realized is though this was this was a big oak tree, and usually they have these like vast uh, root systems that go like really deep. Where it was planted and how the ground was underneath it, it actually hadn't, even though it had been there for a long time, it actually hadn't gone very deep. It was it was pretty wide, but it actually hadn't gone very deep. And so when it had these, it was pretty significant winds. But when it had these winds, it just couldn't it couldn't hold. There was an oak tree, like 
40 feet away from it that was about the same size, but it didn't budge at all because its roots had gone deeper. Jesus is talking about the same theory, uh, thing here in a matter of our response to hearing God's word. Maybe at some point in your life, you heard the gospel and, it, and it, there was this sort of a, a emotional draw to it, which is good, right? God give, gave us emotions to connect with him, but emotions can be fleeting. And that's why being a Christian is not all about emotions, it's about a commitment to him. And so um, maybe there, at some point there was this time that you, you made a decision but then almost immediately you backed away from it. Maybe at a greenhouse or at a retreat or something, something clicked and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, this Jesus thing's awesome. All right, I'm going to do this. And then like immediately at school the next day or, or whatever it was, um, you get around those other people um, and you start to kind of back off of that, start to back off of that. Because you didn't give yourself time for the roots to really dig in. And for some, that, that means that, that initial decision actually wasn't real at all. And so whenever that all comes and withers, the plant dies completely. And there was no real commitment to Jesus at all. And so you're really not, you're not, really not a Christian. You're really not walking in the light. And so the, the application from that is if that was you, at some point you've got you've to allow the rocks to peel back. And for that gospel that Jesus died for you to come and replant itself and be real this time to really run hard after that and give yourself roots. And the way we do that is be connected to one another and to actually be fully committed to Jesus no matter what. This whole like, oh yeah, Jesus is awesome at like camp and then the next day at school, never talking about him or maybe even talking bad about it. That's not, that's not real Christianity. That's not really following Jesus. There's no real roots in that. And others, you made a decision and immediately fell flat, not because the decision wasn't real. Your, your commitment to Jesus, you know, like giving your life to Jesus was real, but maybe you just didn't know how to do that. You were left alone and you didn't plug in anywhere, and so then your faith is just shallow, sometimes on your own accord and sometimes not. You just didn't know what to do, and I'm sorry if that's you. And so I'm telling you now, how you fix that is you get involved with other Christians. God literally created us to live in community with one another. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We cannot do it alone. We weren't created to do this alone. And so if you're in a place that you feel like your roots aren't very deep, all of us can stand to have deeper roots. All of us can stand to have deeper roots, right? And so, and so maybe you made a decision, but everything's flat. You haven't really done anything with it. Um, and you kind of feel like at any moment the wind could blow you over, or maybe hard times have come, and it felt like everything has, has, has blown over. What I say to you is to get into small groups. Come on Sunday, so Sunday small groups, find you a D group. If you don't know what disciple group is, ask your adult leader, uh, and, and we'll get you plugged in. You've got to be in community with other Christians. You've got to be studying the Word of God, and you've got to be asking them what they're studying and, and learn from them. That's how, we, that's how we build roots. That's how we, our faith gets strong enough to withstand the storms. That's just, that's it. And so then the, the third soil, Jesus goes on. Um, <clears throat> where am I at? 22, verse 22. As for uh, what was sown among thorns, uh, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and uh, the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. A lot of you know I like fishing because um, I talk about it 
all the time. Uh, at nauseum, my wife, that's another one of those, like, okay, I get it, JJ, you like fishing, it's cool. Um, she gets mad at me all the time because I catch a bunch of fish, but then I don't ever bring them home. She's like, well, if you're going to do something, like, I should profit from that thing, because um, that's how she thinks. Uh, all that to say, I go fishing a lot. There's this little creek in, like, South Huntsville that I love going to. Anybody know where Challenger Middle School is? Anyway, it's by that. It's called Aldridge Creek. Flows out into Ditto Landing. Know where that's at, right? Give you a little bit of reference. South Huntsville, that's all that matters. I'm out in this little creek. And with fly fishing, for whatever reason, we're obsessed with, like, being in the water, and so instead of like standing on the bank like normal people uh and so i've got like the waders on and i've got like these wading boots and i'm out uh in this water it's probably about like mid thigh high standing in the water and i'm fishing you know fly fishing you do this a whole bunch instead of just casting and sitting like you're doing this a whole bunch it wears your arm out anyway um so i'm in the water and have you ever been in like that sand or mud that kind of like just sucks you in right you ever been in that so i'm at first, I don't realize it because I'm, I'm see a fish, and so I'm looking at the fish, and I'm like casting in the fish, trying to get it to, uh, I'm trying to catch it right, uh, and so I'm, I'm fishing and fishing, and, I, and all of a sudden I realize, wait a second, I can't move. <laughs> this is not a good thing, right? Like if I, I got to get out of here eventually, right? And so I start to um, wiggle, but you realize the more you move, like the further it kind of sinks you in, right? Have you ever been in that kind of like sand or like mud? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I grew up in the swamp, so I've kind of learned the method of getting out of these. But inevitably, inevitably, you're going to lose, like, a boot or a shoe or something. There's always, especially when you're not underwater, like, there's always this sound. Like, you go to pull your foot out of it, and it's like, right? Like, and then all of a sudden, you're like, well, lost that boot. Let's get out of here, right? And you just leave it. You just leave it, right? Well, <laughs> this is what happened to me. I've got a picture of it, actually. So what happened is I was wiggling out of this thing, trying to get out, and I go to pull my foot out. And it releases, and then my foot felt weird. Again, I'm in water, and it's like brown water, and so I can't see. And then uh, I go to put my foot back down, and I'm like, wait, I feel more bottom than I should. Uh, it literally sucked the sole right off of my boot. It ate my soul. It ate my soul. What the heck, man? What the heck? Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? My wife sees that and just sees the expense of buying new boots. But, uh, but yeah, like this, this mud just literally just like just kept the sole of my shoe. You can clear the picture up now so it's not distracting. But uh, <laughs> sin and temptation is just like that. Before you realize it, you're stuck. And the more you wiggle, the more you try to move, the more you just kind of sink in. Right? Whatever temptation, whatever uh, issue maybe you struggle with, that's what Jesus is talking about. The, the seed that fell and the plant that grew among thorns and then the thorns wrap around it and choke it out. He's talking about your faith being choked out. Not that your salvation isn't real, but your life isn't moving. Your life in Christ isn't moving forward. You're stale because those things are trying to choke your faith out. We get stuck with whatever, uh, we get stuck in the, in the mud of, of influence of others. We get stuck in the mud uh, of the temptation of whatever sin that keeps just coming back over and over and over again. Uh, whatever it is, they, these things try to choke out our faith. And what I say to you in that, and the only way to move forward if you're in that spot is you have to, you have to cut out of your life whatever it is that's trying to choke out your faith. You have to chop it down. Grab a machete and chop it down. Don't, like, really do that because that'd be weird, right? I don't know if, like, your cell phone is, like, the thing that's, like, bothering you. You could, like, throw it up in the air and, like, baseball bat it. Your parents probably wouldn't love it, but I would love it. You send me a video, I would high-five you real hard. Um, 
if you did that. But there's, there's all of these things that try to choke out our faith. And I'm, I'm being serious when I say, like, not that, like, all technology is evil and all that kind of stuff, but if we're not careful in those things, before you know it, you're stuck in the mud of sin and it's trying to choke out your faith. And so whatever thing, and you know what it is. You're, it, it, all of us have some things that try to grow up around us and choke out our faith every once in a while or keep us from growing the way we're supposed to, keep us from really seeing God's truth and applying it to our life and living in that way. And so whatever those things are, the only way you will ever move forward is if you cut those things out of your life. It's the only way, the only way. And Jesus goes on in verse 23 and he says, as for, uh, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, in another, 60, and in another, 30. This is where we're all trying to get to, a place where our hearts are fertile soil, free of thorns, free uh, of distraction of the world, uh, free of all of that stuff so we can, we can continually take in God's word, take in God's truth, apply it to our lives. When he says understanding here, he's not talking about just a head knowledge. He's not talking about just understanding this Greek word means this or whatever. If you ever get to that uh, stage in life, you've probably gone too far. But uh, like, he's not talking about just a head knowledge of like, I understand that two plus two equals four. What he's saying is a true understanding of God's word is being able to read it and apply it to your own life. We're not, this is not supposed to be like every other book on your shelf where you read it, put it down, and forget 10 minutes later what you just read. This changes your life when you allow it to. When you actually sit and read and study God's word, it changes your life. And it all begins with the gospel. If you've allowed the gospel, the, the truth that Jesus died for you, and all you have to do is confess your sins and commit your life to him, if you allow that seed to grow, then from there, it's just a continuation of studying God's word, not just for knowledge of who God is, but for understanding of who you are supposed to be and how you're supposed to live your life. And the only way you do that is to apply that to your own life. That's what fruit he's talking about here. Is the fruit of a life that is running hard after Jesus, continually studying and applying God's truth to your life, always, always leads to a life that, is constantly sharing the gospel and sharing God's love with the world. That's the fruit he's talking about. When your life is one that as much as possible is focused on sharing the gospel and God's love with those around you, that's the fruit. That's the life that he's talking about. But notice, I want you to understand before you get like, oh, well, that's not where I am, uh, and that kind of thing. We all have room to grow. What he says here, indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, in another 30. Notice he doesn't say it yields these like perfect like plants that have no imperfections or any of that kind of stuff. That's not at all what Jesus is trying to say. And then some, some people are like Billy Graham and they get to like share the gospel with just millions and millions of people. And some people go to far places of the world and share the gospel and nobody ever really hears it. Um, some people uh, go work engineering jobs and get to share the gospel with their cubicle mates. Like God puts us all in different places and the amount of yield is not even the point. And that's what Jesus is getting at. Why he, why he says these varied numbers. The point is a life that is living toward God, a life that is trying to understand more about who God is, not coming with their own preconceived notions and all that kind of stuff, not trying to put God in the box, but just trying to genuinely find God and, and seek his word and apply it to your own life to be changed. 